My name is Ron Swanson, and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the miserable, screwed-up world of local government. You mustard in your mustache. Don't sass me, Burkus. Let's get started. Get ready for marketing insights, business strategies, and growth tactics from the original founder and marketer of The Daily Dose, no matter what those other guys claim. He's the original marketing entrepreneur who helped bring big business, media, marketing, and the public sector to the internet, while keeping government happy and away from overregulation of the digital age. And he's got the savvy and proven experience to help any business grow and succeed. You're listening to Marketing Insights with your host, Yasha Harari. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Insights. I'm Yasha Harari. Today we're going to talk about how to crush your SEO goals with WordPress SEO. Specifically, how to use WordPress's SEO tools in order to rank higher in organic SERPs and to perform better in terms of getting targeted organic traffic to your site for the relevant keywords and for the relevant actions you want your audience to perform. There's a whole lot to go over, um, so what we're going to do is review the highlights or the overview of WordPress SEO, and then at the end of this, I'll let you know where to get the complete book downloadable as a PDF. It's free. Just sign up to get it, enter your email, and you can download it right away. That'll be on my site. Uh, I'll share with you the link at the end of this podcast. And uh, I hope that, you know, when you use the guide, if you do it step by step, that you keep good notes because you'll see, in fact, this process works tremendously well for pretty much every site that we've tried it on. Uh, We have published thousands of WordPress sites and tested this across millions of WordPress sites and pages over the years. So this system is tested and proven. We've analyzed data literally covering hundreds of millions of pages, if not more, probably billions, I'm not sure. Didn't look at the total score last time I I looked at it, but it was definitely getting up towards the billions by the time I looked at it last. This is a method that, you know, we didn't entirely invent this method, obviously. Um, Many companies, many experts, many people over the years have been fine-tuning WordPress SEO methods and tactics, and this is, uh, you know, our version of it for 2018. And hopefully a little bit beyond uh, though these things do tend to change quite a bit uh, the fundamental principles do generally stay you know, the same for a good period of time sometimes years so let's jump right into it and look at uh, the overview of wordpress seo right wordpress seo first of all why is it important well it's important because wordpress is the most popular content management system or cms on the web today um, i think last time i saw it was like one in eight websites were running WordPress, probably higher now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like one in five at this point. But there's a ton of WordPress websites obviously running on the web. And if you're marketing anything, you know that WordPress is one of the easiest ways to build a site that can be extremely well optimized for all kinds of things, including SEO. And uh, therefore, it's important to know how to optimize your WordPress site to you know, get the maximum impact out of your marketing work, because what is the point of doing everything you're doing, um, you know, if not to get the maximum impact? So uh, let's begin. 
And again, this strategy is for anybody involved in marketing, whether it's your first time marketing anything or whether you're a totally advanced professional who knows almost everything about WordPress SEO. Uh, this is still a very useful, handy reference guide for you. And you should definitely have a listen to this podcast and apply the things you learn from it to your work to see how it performs. And by all means, we know, we're not saying this is etched in stone. And obviously, everything we say in here, we expect it to change over time. Uh, but we're just saying today, these are what we consider to be the best ways to optimize your WordPress SEO. So real quick, basic WordPress SEO. So the main things to consider when you look at your SEO functionality on your WordPress site is, first of all, set up your permalink structure. Okay, and you go in there and there's special kind of tagging you can do for categories. You, know, you should make custom category tags. Um, you should make custom post tags. There's all kinds of you know, options there you can set. In our book, we go over all the details again for all the technicalities, but just know that permalink structure is probably the number one thing you should be setting when you enter your WordPress site as an admin for the first time. Uh, and then of course, you should also have the determination of whether your website's gonna be on a www subdomain or just straight you know, domain name.com or whatever. Whatever you decide there, you know, pick it, set it, and let it be correct in all of the places you track your data, like Google Search Console, Google Analytics, etc., you know, or get clicky or whatever you use, right? I don't care what your analytics tools are, but make sure that all of your traffic goes to the same page, right? Whether whether it's www or not, make sure they're getting to the right version of that page so that you don't have two different pages to track for the same content, right? That would be a waste of your resources, it would be a waste of Google resources and they won't reward you well for that. They will reward you well if you make sure your traffic is going to the right page. The next thing to know is to not use stop words as part of your URLs, right? Because URLs uh, don't like to have words like a or the or and inside of the URL. Uh, it's not that you can't have it. Uh, I have domains that are even extremely old, like thedailydose.com, right? And the the was always annoying in many ways for branding reasons, but it was there and you have to deal with what you have, not with what you want. So we used it to the maximum more ability when we had the opportunity. Uh, and domains that don't have those stop words generally have a much easier time to market and brand than domains that do. So just consider that when you set up your URL. The next thing you should consider in your URL structure is whether or not you should have HTTPS, right, or SSL or not SSL, right? Do you want to have an HTTP site, which is not secured, or do you want to have an HTTPS site, which is secured by SSL or a secured socket layer? It's relatively cheap to get an SSL certificate, and you really should do it because Google does reward any site that has transactional uh, information on it, whether they're you know, buying something from you or even just subscribing to an email list. Uh, when you have SSL on your site, you get a small but effective, you know, bump in your organic score overall. Uh, your site might slow down by like 0.1 seconds, but you get a reward of traffic. It's not official, but you know, it's just something that Google does. They reward you a little bit with more organic traffic. So it makes up for any loss you might have from the technical performance of the site. And also, if you are conducting any kind of transactions on your site, why wouldn't you have HTTPS, especially if you're selling something? I mean, I can understand you might not need it if you just have an email form and you're using a third-party secure form from MailChimp or whatever, that's fine. 
you don't need HTTPS on every single you know page that has an email subscription form on it necessarily. But if you're selling something, and even more so if you're selling it at high volumes, you should definitely be running HTTPS. I'm probably preaching to the choir here because I bet most of you, if not all of you, have HTTPS on your transactional sites. But if you don't, you really should do that immediately. Uh, and uh, you know, doing so, depending on your, the nature of your site, may take a lot of effort or a little effort in terms of restructuring URLs and this and that. If you haven't built your site well, it might take you a lot of effort. But if you're using WordPress SEO, uh, it's relatively easy to set your site to be HTTPS, right? Just implement your certificate and then go into your uh, WordPress settings and make sure that the site is defined as HTTPS. So you should do that um, as soon as possible. Uh, and the next big thing to do for your SEO and WordPress is pretty much the same thing you would do for any site, which is to make sure that your titles are optimized for SEO. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that because you can go to episode one of this podcast and listen to how to optimize your titles. But, um, you know, just know that titles are super important and you can customize titles for categories. You can customize titles, you know, for search pages and customize titles, for 404 pages, etc. author archives. Uh, and of course, for pages themselves and for posts, right? You should be able to customize properly and in a way that uh, adheres to your brand and is consistent across the pages on your website, right? That helps people identify your brand consistency as a value that they can easily relate to. The next thing, of course, is to optimize your descriptions. After your titles, you, will sh you should be focusing on the meta descriptions of your page. And you can do that very easily in WordPress by editing the meta descriptions of a page or of a post. Uh, the way you do that, for example, is if, you, if you install the Yoast plugin, which is the Yoast SEO plugin, or frankly, just about any other good SEO plugin that's available on WordPress, and there are many, I'm just gonna to refer to Yoast in this particular case, but um, there are many good SEO plugins for WordPress if you use Yoast. It lets you super easily edit the meta descriptions. It lets you very easily optimize images where you can give titles and alt titles right, to the image themselves. And you wanna give alt names to your images. You wanna give you know different titles to your images. You even want to resize them a little bit here and there um, and play around with them so that they're all seen as unique. Uh, especially if you're using stock images, you want to change them up enough that they're not seen as a copy of the, of the stock image. And then you want to optimize your XML sitemaps. And again, in Yoast and in other SEO plugins for WordPress, you can easily edit the XML sitemap location. In fact, some of them even will identify the location for you. They'll just create it and tell you where the location is. Yoast, again, is one of those plugins that will do that for you, where they just create the XML sitemap for you when you enable it in the features dashboard of the plugin. And that's that's the fundamentals of sort of setting up your SEO in WordPress, right? But then there's, of course, much more to it. So for example, optimizing templates, right? Do you want to use breadcrumbs? You know, breadcrumbs are the links you know, that you can add to posts and pages to let navigation by the user be really easy and let the search engine understand the structure of your site. So when you add breadcrumbs, it's visible to the user where they are within the structure of their site, right? You have like home, carrot, forums, carrot, 
you know, whatever subtopic, carrot, you know, and then the name of the thread that they're in, right? So that's that's sort of the, the breadcrumb structure that you typically see. It could be graphical, it could be textual, it could be all kinds of different visual displays of, of that information, but that's essentially what breadcrumbs are. You want to also optimize your headings, right? You want to decide what is going to fit in the H1 tag. What should you have in your H2 tags and your H3 tags? And then, of course, you want to optimize the site for speed. So how do you optimize WordPress for speed? Well, you can use things like using um, you know, the Jetpack plugin. You can use any CDN, Cloudflare, for example, or others that are you know super CDN providers that basically let you deliver your content to the network much quicker. Right? That's what a CDN is, a content delivery network. And then you want to choose a good host provider, right? Your web host should not be slow or miserable or whatever. It should be lightning fast, especially if you're selling stuff. Remember that for every 0.1 seconds it takes for your page to load, you're losing about 1% of your business, right? So if your page takes a second, you're already writing off 10% of your business because people are just expecting it to load immediately. They don't care or understand or they just don't care why you're loading is slow. They want your load to be fast. If it's not too bad for you, go to the next person who has a fast website. So don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, pay up, get a good ISP to host your site, make sure it's damn fast, as fast as it could be. And of course, a lot of what makes it fast is the code. So test your code, use sites like GT Metrics, use sites like Google PageSpeed Insights, test the, the speed of the code, make sure your code is optimized, and then make sure your server is fast, right? If you don't do both those things, well, you're missing. The next important thing to remember about WordPress SEO, if you really want to use it to its best, is to remember what to do with duplicate content. And everyone says, oh, duplicate content is horrible, don't use it. That's just not true. Duplicate content is extremely useful, and you should use it properly, right? You do not want to use duplicate content and say it's original, obviously. But you do want to repost content and point the canonical reference to where the authoritative original content is. That lets Google know that you are declaring that this is a duplicate and they will still give you decent SEO metrics for that page, even if it's duplicate content, because you're declaring it. Right? If you're trying to hide it and they know it because they could see the original source, then you don't get SEO points for that. But if you do declare it as duplicate and you have other interesting things on the page, that are not duplicate, that make the page unique in its own way, then you get SEO points that are even better. And you can even outperform the original source of the page depending on that page's SEO score versus your page's SEO score. So if you copied a great article from somewhere that you have the right to copy and you put it on your page and you give it the right canonical source, but maybe their website is just pretty old and lame and stale and just the article was interesting, but nothing on the site itself other than that is interesting, then you can make that article much more interesting by surrounding it with much more useful content other than the article itself, right? So use that as your, you know, as part of your strategy to use duplicate content properly. Uh, and of course, that means you should do things like, there are some pages you should tag as no index, follow pages, uh, follow archive pages, and disable some archives. Don't activate every page on your website. Very often, and the data shows, the more you cut out of your site, the better you will perform on SEO. Now, people always think, oh, if I have a, you know, more pages on the site, I'll get more traffic. Well, yes and no. If all the pages on your site are well edited, fresh, 
always relevant, always topical, never stale, never out of date, never idle. Yeah, sure, that's great. But if you have pages that do fit any of those descriptions, prune them, get them out, right? Store them in an archive, whatever, get them off of the radar of Google so that Google has to spend less resources understanding what's going on on your site, understanding where the action is, and actually delivering traffic to the pages that people search for, as opposed to just garbage pages that don't bring you any traffic, don't bring you any traction, and certainly don't bring you any business. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to be the editor of your own content, so it helps a lot if you get someone else to edit it for you. So, you know, have a look at it and say, okay, you're not getting any traffic here, out, you know, done. And if it's wishy-washy, if you're not sure, put it out. Always err on the side of pruning more, not on the side of pruning less. Over prune, because trust me, if you over prune, and you've made space now that you need to fill again with other content, trust me, your human instincts are going to fill that space. And the goal is to fill it with better content than you had there before. And so the next thing you wanna do is to uh, make sure that you have proper pagination. So that uh, in if you have especially a lot of categories, then you wanna make sure that you tell the bot, don't go back several pages before, you know, before having to find the next right pagination or the next right category or the next right post. Pagination lets the bot know where to look. You can fix this with plugins like wp-page-navi, that's P-A-G-E-N-A-V-I, one word, um, and it's built by a company called Scribu or something like that, S-C-R-I-B-U. And that's just a useful tool if you want to do easy pagination. You can do it yourself through the WordPress itself, uh, but it's easier to do with that particular plugin. The next big topic that we're going to cover for WordPress SEO is how to get your website structure to rank higher. Oftentimes, you'll find that websites that have limited pages, you know, not millions of pages, but tens or even hundreds of pages, might have more pages in their WordPress site than posts. The reason for that is that Pages can have a heavier SEO weight than posts. Posts are typically uh, more ephemeral, so they come and they go quicker. Um, although that isn't always the case, many people keep their posts around for years, as we discussed, and they don't prune the archives or you know, somehow declare them not part of their main juice, uh, then you know that can actually hamper their SEO scores. But still, posts are generally weighted lighter than pages. So you want to have pages because they're more permanent. They're seen as more permanent. That's why they're created. Um, they're more easily accessible through the navigation bar. At least they should be uh, through whatever navigation system you're using. Uh, you can have sub pages of particular pages, whereas you can't really have sub posts. I mean, you can link posts together, but they're not sub posts other than they're part of the same category as another post or part of a similar tag or whatever. Um, but yeah, having pages versus posts is something very important to decide for when you're creating new content. Is it going to be a page or a post? And then SERP rank, right? So let's say you want to rank for, I don't know, the term pink iPad cover. So the content should have the right keyword density. And that's where a lot of things tend to go wrong when you let in all the comments on any given page, um, because people will start spamming the word whatever they're trying to spam onto your page. If you allow a lot of comments to be you know, written onto any page, or if you just allow comments in general, eventually it'll get filled up with comments that are generally spammy. And unless you control that, it can really hamper your SEO. So that's why it's good to have the right keyword density in your pages. 
and to make sure you control any comments you allow under the pages, whether they're pages or posts, you want to make sure that you control any commentary happening on there. So that's how you would target you know, your pages to get higher ranking, is to have the right controls on the content itself, and of course to make sure that there's the right number of links pointing to you that are high quality links coming from authoritative sources, because quality of your content plus number of links equals, let's say, the bulk of your SEO score and where you're going to rank, okay? It might not be the majority majority, you know, the over and super majority, but it's definitely the bulk of it. It's definitely the main thing you need to worry about. And again, go easy on the tags. Don't put more than 10, you know, even fewer tags on a page. It's way, it's way too easy to sort of, oh, I'm gonna put 50 million tags on this thing, and then you're suddenly keyword stuffing the page, and that's if you just spam. Keep it tight, one to three tags is usually enough. Sometimes there's an opportunity to go four or five, go nuts, but don't go seven, eight, ten tags. Also similar with categories, uh, don't put your you know, page or your post in more than one category unless you absolutely have to for some reason. Doing so is just confusing or wasteful to Google. You're just making duplicate you know, content all over the place. Even if it's declared, it's still it's useless, it's not necessary. The only places people are going to see that you know, or if they actually go through each and every category, look through all the different posts, and if they're mildly related, you know, things should be solid, clear, and obvious why things are in particular categories. And that's why you should minimize the number of kind of tagging you do for any kind of different content you publish on WordPress. The next big topic is to achieve conversion optimization. And that's something, again, we go over that in our book, and that's really where is the money made uh, when you set up WordPress sites and when you optimize them for SEO. That's why you're doing what you're doing. Your business is in the business of being a business, doing whatever it does because of this step, the monetization step. I'm going to leave this step for you to read inside the ebook uh, so you internalize it uh, and also to move things along because we're getting kind of long in the time here. And I know you, time is important to everyone. The next topic that we cover in the book uh, is chapter six, comment optimization, right? How to get the readers involved. And again, I just mentioned earlier how comment can be a real spam problem. And for your brand's sake, you want to have that under control fully. You don't want that to be a problem for you. You want that to be an opportunity. So in the book, we cover like how to get people to comment more, what questions are being asked, can you see the difference in styles? There's a lot of you know how to engage with the commenters and letting the conversation happen right naturally and engaging with it you know in the best way possible. Chapter seven in the book covers probably the trickiest part of SEO. And it's the part that everyone goes nuts about, and that's off-site SEO. And the reason people go nuts about it is because it usually involves some silly ideas and a lot of black hat nonsense or gray hat nonsense that ultimately doesn't work to build any real brand. If you're looking to build anything that's gonna last longer than a month, don't use anything other than white hat SEO, period, end of story, no question about it. Off-site SEO, and there's a lot of white hat off-site SEO, can be done. I don't care what Google or anyone else says, just because you're publishing links to your website off-site does not mean it's spammy, right? There's high quality ways to do it. Even Google recommends it. Um, even if they say, you know, whatever they say, even if they're always dodgy about how they treat it, the fact is off-site SEO matters because the number of links pointing to you matters. So the way to get it done properly uh, is something we cover very well in the book in terms of you know, connecting with people, following the right people, blogging or microblogging on other sites, getting links back to you from other people, from influencers and related keywords, and all kinds of other things. So look at that 
in the book, and uh, you should see some useful advice there for how to do off-site SEO properly, especially through blogs. Right? And you can use your WordPress blog to find people to link back to you by following the people that commented on your blog. Right? And so that's a big part of that. The next chapter is really wrapping it all up, and that's time to measure your results. Right? How do you measure your results in WordPress SEO? Well, you can use Google Analytics, get clicky, Monster Insights, clicky. Um, you can use all these different tools that are out there, Search Console, whatever, uh, to measure your website status in terms of pages crawled, you know, page speed, all these different things. So what you want to do is look at all of those tools and you want to see how you're performing uh, and generate, you know, your next steps to action of what to tweak and what to polish by using the data that you actually collected from your tests, right? So in a nutshell, that system, in that sort of broken down eight chapters of content, really is how you would go through WordPress step by step, and it's how we do it all the time, day in, day out, whenever we set up a new WordPress site in this agency. Uh, we go through that process, we set up all those details, and more, but those are the fundamentals for really mastering WordPress SEO and getting it working for you rather than you constantly spending your time editing these little details that it can do, you know, semi-automatically and automatically, like data collection, analytics, etc. So like I said, at the beginning of the show, we are going to give away this ebook. And if you go to yashaharari.com slash WPSEO, right, that's yashaharari.com slash WPSEO, It'll take you to a page that you can download this ebook for free and you just submit your name and email and download the book. It's free and you can even share it with your friends. You know, that's great. Um, we love that. Share it with your peers, colleagues. If you found this at all useful, tell them about this podcast, share the link with them. And we say it again, give us the likes, the hearts, the comments, whatever you give us on whatever channel you're listening to this on. Give us all the positive feedback and the critical stuff that helps us too. That's obviously one of the ways we learn is to hear the, the good and the bad about what we're doing. And that does it for this episode. So until next time, take care. Bye, Yasha.